Dad, we need to have a talk. You're going to try to convince me that my life is great just like it is, right? Are you kidding? We couldn't even convince you that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Oh, come on. That millionaire playboy, he's too busy socializing at cocktail parties and managing the affairs of the Wayne Foundation. Why does he think Alfred's friends with Batman? Just <laughs> Episode 111. Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Move your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Just finished those Walking Dead trades. That Kirkman's good. I'm good as Frank Herbert. And now, here are your hosts, Brad, Frank, and Bill. And welcome to A Half Hour Wasted. No funny story? Hey, where's the story? Where's the story? I'm looking for Well, I I was about to tell tell everyone about our crisis. The crisis crisis that happened within A Half Hour Wasted. Just because you've got a cold doesn't make that a crisis, technically. (laughs) I was talking about the crisis that that we forgot your birthday, Bill. We didn't acknowledge your birthday a couple days. That's I think it's Bill's responsibility to let everybody know that it was his birthday. I, I let I let some of my friends in other parts of the country know. Well, let, let, let's do sure. a cheers to Bill no, here on the a belated birthday. Happy, you're, you're birthday. Good Happy birthday, Bill. You're a good man. Appreciate I'm it. I'm calling up a uh, a birthday song for you. And while Brad does that, mm-hmm. it is my sister's birthday today, Priscilla really? from Ohio. Yes. Uh, today we're recording Priscilla. Yeah, but, Happy birthday. Yeah, but she's not an Aquarian. No. Like I am. No. She's, she's crossed over into pipe. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe any of that. I'm gonna say she's yeah. in the like the the house of the the dawn sun or something like her. Maybe know that's what any uh, of that means. Uh, maybe that's Tai Chi. I'm not really sure. Oh, and while you're while you're looking that up, Brad, um, <clears throat> uh, I want to let you guys know out there that uh, Michael Schwartz, um, oh, his Oceanverse uh, has come out. It's available through Indie Planet. Be sure and pick it up. Oceanverse. Should you do it or and do you, you want me to, it. Brad? It, it's at uh, IndiePlanet.com or you can go to Oceanverse.com. May the Schwartz be with you. you, you yeah, I don't, I don't you, have that you, queued you, up. You, you. Okay, well, you got it, Brad? Well, I figured that there would be like a... <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Got you, Bill. Special? Yes, I do. Dreamy voice. Mr. Magano. Yay. Okay, that didn't work the way I wanted it to. Okay. I'll tell you anyway, what, um, she's got a good voice for someone who's been well, desperately clawing at the inside of her coffin for the last But uh, she is years, shot so. the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Lying on bed, scaring the children. Yes. Hey, uh, scares me. Who's speaking, our sponsor? Speaking of hot blondes, I'm looking at the, uh, the cover of uh, Final Crisis 3. You oh, are yeah. not. J.G. Jones's. To bring up hmm? that those... That F word. You know and what? If you put the F and the I together, it kind of looks like an A. And then what do you get? Hmm. Anal crisis. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about crisis this show. I thought we are keeping wait, us all ages wait, here. Wait, let, but let, what I'm saying do is our... don't bring up the F word when you're talking about. Oh. About. Oh, crime. you don't okay. want to. Okay. You're okay with the C word. It's the F word you're not down with. Who's our sponsor? InStockTrades.com is our lovely sponsor. Do, 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 do. Where are you going? Nowhere. 
Nowhere. Okay, I think Frank's InStockTrades.com, up to 37% off and no shipping on orders of over $50. Sometimes you can find them over 37% off when Comic Geek Speak has a book of the month mm-hmm. Yes, going on. I'm not sure what their current one is right now, but those are like 40 and 45%. Really? Yep. See, uh, I, I should have waited. Um, I know when they did that uh, Authority Book of the Month Club, which has been months ago now, um, I desperately wanted it. And um, I enjoyed it. Well, you know what? You do what oh, you can. These guys are pretty good. Their top seller this week, number one. Well, I don't have yeah. any idea why it's okay. number one. But Batman R.I.P. Deluxe Edition hardcover. Excellent. It's because of Deluxe. I tell you what, I have not read one. Sticker price, $25. I want that. In stock trades price, $15.74. How much? $15.74. What's the sticker price? $25. Shoot, man. You find me fifteen dollars, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rip it. Number two, top seller. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't hear that. Very random thing to say. <laughs> All Star Superman Volume Two hardcover. R.I.P. Sticker price twenty dollars. In stock trades price twelve dollars and fifty nine cents. Oh man, it doesn't get so for your hardcovers and your trade paperback needs. Go to in stock trades. That's and, right. And who do we got on the phone, Brad? He's been waiting long enough. Yeah, we've kept him waiting. Well, the Godfather of Soul, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. CGS fans. <laughs> God, it is the Godfather of Soul. CGS fans know him as the Murd. <laughs> Adam Murdo. What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing? Hey. Thank you for joining us today on our crisis episode. Would you guys please stop <laughs> distracting me <laughs> like that? Please? Sorry, we can't. I'm sorry. I'm still jamming out to the Digital Underground. Oh, well, we'll, we'll jam later when it's we're eating awesome. pizza. Right now. We have the special guest, right? And, and Adam, Adam Murdo. And Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. And we asked you for a specific reason. Uh, mm-hmm. We are doing our crisis show. We wanted to look at um, all the major crises in... Is that right? What's the plural of crisis? Crises. Crises? Did, did you know this, Adam, or is this a surprise to you? What, that the plural of crisis is crises? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, that. yeah, let's go with that. Is it crises or crises? <laughs> no, it'd be crises. But it's crises? Yes, it's crises. And Pretty which sure. Is, trust me, I'm not an English major. So we're going to look at... Uh, I am. <laughs> Yay! Adam says crises, then it's crises. crises. Uh, hey, anybody who has a PhD in, in like language and literature and stuff, we probably ought to take his word for it. Hey, Adam, how do you spell, well, how do you spell that plural? It's just with... You know, C-R-I-S-E-S. Yeah, it's just yeah. E-S. I'm also a spelling bee champion. C-R-I-S-E-S? I am. Crises. You and I have something... so it's not crisis ease. No, no, it's crises. I got you. Okay. And I was, I remember in the second grade, I was the best speller um, of the boys in school uh, in in my second grade class. Wow, you come far. I'm right there with uh, Mr. Murdo. So when did did you win a uh, spelling bee? Seventh and eighth grade. Won the county title, went to the big national bee in Washington. Yeah, I I think I finished in the top 20% the second time through, but obviously I didn't win. Do you remember what word you went out on? Aquila. Oh, very well. Let's hear it. Underrated movie. Aquila. Aquila and the Bee. You got, you got the reference? Yeah, Thank man. you very much. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Oh, right. And the Bee. Right. Yes. Yeah, okay. That was the uh, word yeah, he the lost word. on. <laughs> Aquila. No, actually, the word I lost on was stridulous. Oh, <gasps> I'm not, I'm not, what does that mean? What does it mean? Wow. It means making a loud, strident noise. Good. You know what? I do that after Mexican food. <laughs> but not out of your mouth. <laughs> I think it has to come out of your mouth for it to really count. Does it sound, does it sound like that? <laughs> yes, it does, yeah. Brad. Ponchos. 
Uh, okay, so uh, why are we here? Okay, so we're going to talk about crises. This is our crisis special, and we're, we're going to start with um, one crisis. All crises. We're going to talk about crisis on do infinite we, earth. Do we have to talk about zero hour crisis? The last um, crisis. infinite I'm, crisis, and well, we'll touch on. We'll touch I don't know on if Adam crisis. wants to jump in with me on this, but uh, I my point here is to defend. The the one you do not want named. Well, let's, F-word oh, crisis. Let's that's wait, what I call. Let, let's okay. start. Let's start. Um, Maybe we should start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Yes, from the beginning. Very good, the beginning. <laughs> Very good place to start. Well, now, Adam, I, I I pulled out um, just to kind of get the ball rolling, um, and you could definitely fill in some gaps. So I was just going to read this first paragraph. I pulled it from um, Wikipedia. And, um, you know, please, please fill in the gaps where you think it's needed. This is concerning Crisis on Infinite Earth, which was 1990, 1986, wasn't mm. it? Mm-hmm. What uh, about those? 85 into 86. He has a 12-issue thing. Yeah, it was What about amazing? those people listening to this show who don't read comics? Okay. Um, well, um, I think... I think this will help fill in that gap as well, to what the crisis is Are they going to know even for. what we're talking about? We haven't really even explained what it is. I think, well, okay, I'm about okay. To say anybody that's ever read comics, you, that's you what it's about. But No, I don't want to. <laughs> <fill in. laughs> well, um, we find out who the monitor is. That's helpful. Um, crisis on Infinite Earth um, was an event comic used to clean up continuity, and I'll read this. Of the DC Universe. Of the DC Universe. Good, Frank. Uh, prior to Crisis on Infinite Earth, DC was notorious for its continuity problems. No character's backstory within the comic books was entirely self-contained and reliable. Marf Woman and Len Wein saw it as a chance to clean up DC's rather convoluted continuity, which was thought to have put many readers, many new readers off from buying DC titles. Uh, there was also the issue of characters aging. For instance, Batman, an Earth-born human without superpowers, retained his youth and vitality well into the 80s despite having been active, an active hero during World <laughs> War II. So that being said, DC seems to have wanted to kind of clean house a little bit. Adam, would you agree with that statement? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is the basic uh, rationale behind it. They want wanted to um, well, well clean up the continuity uh, co- uh, errors and uh, contradictions that they'd accumulated over you know fifty years of publishing because it, it is significant that this happened at the fiftieth anniversary of DC Comics founding. Hmm. They were founded back in nineteen thirty five, and uh, they uh, started this thing in nineteen eighty five. And was that coincidence? Um, Say that? Was that what? coincidence, or was this a, a planned 50-year oh, no. anniversary no, no, was, project? No, this was an anniversary thing. Cool. As a matter of fact, all the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth issues and Crisis crossovers had a special modified DC Comics logo up in the corner. Mm-hmm. You know how it, uh, the DC bullet is like circular? That became the zero in a five-zero. And the, the oh, that's right. right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so this was very intentionally done as an anniversary, a golden anniversary celebration. Yes. Well, Adam, l- so. let me ask you. I mean, was this was this really a problem, or did did DC just kind of see this as a chance to uh, to do something to sell comics, or both? Um, well, actually, yes. Uh, I was I, I was going to, to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this continuity for DC was. You know, it depends on who you ask. Some people uh, claim to understand DC continuity prior to the crisis just fine and uh, are not all, at all convinced that the crisis event was necessary. But uh, others say just the opposite. Uh, I'd be one um, of those. <laughs> I, yeah, I, was, so it, I was fine with everything. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the multiverse myself, too. So, yeah, it's, uh, it gave them the opportunity to start over with a f- 
uh, blank slate to a, a certain extent. I mean, they didn't really get rid of everything that was in DC continuity prior to crisis. And as time went on, more and more pre-crisis stories snuck their way back into continuity as they went along. Um, but uh, for a while there, they had this tabula rasa that they could work with, where they could relaunch some of their most major characters for the 80s. You know, the 80s, uh, in general, were a time of cultural progressive uh, philosophies and ideologies. It was all about moving forward and moving ahead. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what DC wanted to do with, uh, in particular, their most major character icons, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. And so this gave them the opportunity to relaunch those characters. And at the same time, they decided they'd just do away with this whole multiverse concept that they had developed for themselves uh, between the 1960s and the 80s. Uh, which they thought might be a little uh, uh, imposing to new readers. It seems... uh, might uh, put off some people who weren't familiar with their continuity if they had to, they started reading DC Comics and realized that there were all these different worlds with you know three or four different versions of every different character. So they thought they'd just slim everything down, condense it into one universe, one history. And uh, they had had the added benefit of making their... Uh, continuity a little more like marvel comics continuity oh well um you know it's it's uh, continuity is such a fickle thing because it 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 gives you a history but it kind of ties you down a little bit and well yeah and, that's that world war ii thing you mentioned earlier right and it's and it's you know it, it, there are times when i when i kind of wish that that my books were not where you love all of the minutiae that's in the background, but then other times where it's kind of, you know, I wish they would let go of that, or I wish they would move on from that. And it seems like Crisis um, w- was going to be a great opportunity to kind of to kind of do that. Well, and it was also the it was the first big epic, and I mean you've you had comics that had multiple issue runs, you know, uh, story arcs and whatnot, but it was this was really the first time where. Uh, a comic publishing company really said, okay, this is going to last for a year. And I think since then they've decided that now 12 is too many, and so you see the 7, the 8 issue runs, which is just as good. Didn't Final Crisis take about a year? No, they said uh, Final Crisis uh, ended one month later than it was originally uh, expected to. That's it? That's all? Yeah, it was supposed okay. to have ended in uh, in It December. felt like a year. Let's just say it felt uh, like a year to you me. You know what? And, and, and it was really weird. I, we're, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Maybe we should save this uh, for Yeah, know, for and I want to say, Adam, you... In case you haven't listened to our show a lot, you have to, if you want to say something and we're just talking, you guys just got to jump in. Yeah. And it won't be considered rude, and you know that may be the only way to get Bill to stop talking. <laughs> Good point. That's yeah, okay. I'm, I'm just fine sitting back and letting the words flow. <laughs> okay. Um, so what was the re- what was the reception of uh, of Crisis the, the the first Crisis Crisis on Infinite Earths? Uh, generally positive. It, it sold very well. I know some people were a little disgruntled with it. They weren't happy that certain characters died and or were retroactively written out of existence altogether. And uh, some people, I'm sure, used it as a jumping off point for DC Comics. But uh, I think just as many people uh, used it as a jumping on point. And uh, a lot of longtime DC Universe fans were actually pretty much in awe of it. Yeah, it's one of the few times, uh, one of my big issues with uh, events these days, this is across you know uh, Marvel and DC, is just that there's never a the end at the end of a story anymore. I mean, even you know the the major events, uh, you you see it's it's not so much. A, uh, someone said it, it's almost more like the the event is almost more like a, a season of television. 
where it's not meant to provide you a the end. It's just meant to tell a story and lead you directly off into something else. And one of my favorite things in comics is always, you know, you'd get to the end of a 10-issue run, 11-issue run, whatever, and, and, you know, titles, not necessarily at events. And you, every great now and again, you would actually see a the end at the end of a comic, and you go, cool, next issue, we start fresh. Hey, Adam, I have a question. Yep. Earlier you mentioned it streamlined DC's continuity to be more like Marvel-ish, you know, kind of. Was, well, yeah. was that intentional? I mean, was perhaps Marvel was, sales-wise, was kicking DC, DC's butt, and did that have mm-hmm. something to do with? I'm almost sure it did. Okay. Yeah, Marvel had huh. been dominating the market share in the comics industry for a couple of years there, and DC was, well, they, they were starting to explore possible courses of action to make themselves more competitive with Marvel. And one of the things they identified that Marvel was doing differently from what they were doing was uh, uh, how they approached their continuity. And Marvel, while they did have um, alternate realities and alternate timelines, uh, for the most part, these things were uh, tangential. They were kind of off to the side, with with one or two notable exceptions, like the Squadron Supreme, for example. And they they didn't have that big an impact on uh, what was going on in the main Marvel titles. Whereas DC's Parallel Earth, at least once a year, there was a major story involving a crossover between Earth-1 and some other Earth, usually Earth-2, where the Justice Society lived. And DC had a couple of high-profile comics, Infinity Inc. and All-Star Squadron, which were set 100% in one of these Parallel Earths. And DC just thought to themselves, well, this is one more major category of knowledge that a reader has to have in order to enjoy our comics. Maybe that's one thing Marvel has going for them that we don't and something we should try to approximate. So, yeah, the the short answer is yes. I I do think that uh, one of the things DC was thinking of was how to make themselves closer to Marvel. Yeah, boy, I hate that. I just do not like the idea that they they feel they have to homogenize their product versus something else. You know, I just... Just it's you know go ahead and stand on your own you know go ahead yeah. and you know go your own direction. I, one of the things I always appreciate about DC was the richness of the universe says you know the universe I I guess universe says what mm-hmm. the universe says what versus you right now. You said the universe says. Mm-hmm. Universe says what? I thought I just answered you. I didn't. I'm just playing. <laughs> Adam, um, we haven't really talked about what the story of of Crisis is, which is the death of the multiverse, and and there's there's a positive and negative. There's a good guy and a bad guy, like always. There's a monitor and an anti monitor. Um, just based on the story itself and how it's it's told, um, what's your opinion of the story? Mm, you mean just the monitor anti monitor part, or the whole thing? I guess the whole epic thing. Well, that's uh, that's <laughs> ours yeah. in itself, but uh, yeah, just in, encapsulating it. Um, I think it's it's grand, it's mythic. I mean, this is one of the main points I made in my master's thesis was this is basically a modern apocalypse myth for DC fan culture, and it's it's sprawling in scope. It incorporates as virtually every important and many not-so-important DC Comics characters from 50 years of publishing history. Lots of the significant uh, times and places that figure into DC history, you know, everything from the dawn of time to the 30th century and beyond. It, it tries to, it, it, It's a regurgitation of the entire cultural memory of DC Comics fans, all in one enormous package. Uh, would you say this is one of the launching points for comics to be taken seriously as a, a real-life you know, work of art? Because up until you know, up until I guess 
you know, at, at, at the very least the late seventies, comics would be seen as something you buy at the grocery store, you read, and then you throw, you know, you throw onto the fire to stay warm during the winter. Um, you know, they'd not be seen as something that you keep and collect and, and, you know, you consider it to be a work of art, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if it's up there with Homer or Joyce or, or any of those guys, but it, it was beginning to be taken seriously as, uh, as collector's items, if nothing else. Yeah. But, um, and, and, uh, the, the, the appreciation of comics as art was sort of on its way at the time Crisis was being published. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know that the Crisis story itself necessarily contributed to that. Okay. I've never thought of Crisis as as a work of art or literature per se. Interesting. Uh, to me, it, it's more like mythology. Yeah, because, I mean, you had uh, Claremont uh, doing his thing, you know, doing his, his epic, you know, stuff which eventually became quite unwieldy, you know, with the X-Men over in, you know, the Marvel Universe. But... Uh, you know what DC's you know doing over here, and of course you know Claremont's doing his thing. What five years? You know five, six, seven years before uh, Crisis uh, hits. So, you know I guess they DC had, had a while to sit back and look and go. That's uh, that's a pretty tight universe they got over there. I wonder what try the, to emulate that. Wonder what the DC universe would be like today if they never did this story. I've wondered that myself many times. You just you have think, to assume that it would have kept fraying. You know, do you, you think they? It was inevitable that they do a story like this, and if they didn't do it then, maybe they would have done it. Later, oh, they would have had to do something, if only to uh, explain away that whole aging paradox you mentioned. Uh, and of course, yeah, continuity I mean, they... contradictions would have continued to creep in. And as continuity as a concept became more and more visible and more and more important uh, to fandom, they, they well, they would have had to do something. But I don't think it would have been exactly the same something. Yeah, I mean, and I certainly think they could have solved that problem without getting rid of the multiverse. Yeah, I don't think that's something that they ever necessarily had to do because, you know, for, like you said, for 50 years, people had just kind of suspended the disbelief and said, okay, Batman's, you know, kicking around now. And, and 30 years later, okay, Batman's kicking around now. And you just kind of, it's one that you just suspend that disbelief. You know, it's the same reason you can enjoy Star Wars or, you know, you know all the, the stunts that Indiana Jones does or whatever. It's just you've got to suspend disbelief and just enjoy the ride. And I just, I don't think that, that, I think Crisis was incredible. I, I've um, I've got you know the original twelve floppy issues that I bought back in nineteen eighty six. I mean, it's one of my favorite works. You know, it's one of my favorite comic works ever. So I'm not trying to get down on it. I just I don't think that it was necessarily something that needed to be fixed. Now I think they did it very well, and and I truly enjoyed it, and I'm, and I'm glad they did it. But I, I hate for DC to think, oh gosh, we've got to become more like Marvel. We've got to streamline things. I just I, I'm. I'm sitting here over here getting some goosebumps trying to imagine what the what the world would have been like, like Brad said, if uh, if there had never been a crisis. And can you imagine if there were books taking place, you know, on and, the, you know, if the All-Star Squadron kept going in? And I don't have a problem in the world with books, you know, in 12 different universes or whatever. You know, I mean, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that makes me an exception. You know, I do not have a problem with dense, hard-to-follow, you know, continuity. You know, it's, you know, it's not an issue for me. Now, it does make it very difficult, you know, uh, for people to jump on. Um, I mean, just for instance, you know, just pulling the X-Men out of my hat. You know, I'm frankly, I'm scared to get back in the X-Men just because, you know, even though I read it as a kid, there's been, you know, 25 years of the continuity since then, and I'm lost. Um, Adam, you may not know the answer to this, and this is more kind of, I guess, theoretical in sense, but, I mean, why do you think DC took this so seriously and just not go... You know what? These are just a bunch of comic books. Just start over. 
Um, well, you know, one of the original uh, ideas that Mark uh, Marv Wolfman had for this thing was that uh, the entire DC universe, not just parts of it, but all of it, would have been rebooted entirely from scratch. Yeah. And they would have canceled all the DC comics that were being published at the time and relaunched them all with number one issues, including action comics and detective comics, the flagship titles. Um, but uh, DC was a little uh, too cautious to go that route. Uh, I guess they decided they didn't want to you know, step on the toes of the existing stable of creators that they had too badly. I mean, it's it's bad enough that all they had to make, they made all the changes that they did. I mean, I thought they, they pretty much f***ed off Roy Thomas, who was writing Infinity Inc. and All-Star Squadron for life. I don't think he's ever quite forgiven them for <laughs> taking Earth 2 away from him. Wow. So if, if they had done this whole line-wide relaunch from number one, all the different characters starting over from the beginning, like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman did, uh, that, that would have ticked off some of the creators. And it also would have ticked off quite a few fans, I get the feeling. Mm. Uh, so they just they, they hedged their bets a bit as, as far as that goes. Um, now it, it's it's obvious that you're that you're a huge fan of of the series. But if there was um, is there something that that's always bothered you about the story? Like if you could go back and change something, or something you didn't like about it, is there anything? Oh goodness, there's probably a few things, but <laughs> I, yeah, just off the cuff, I can't think of any. It's just become so in, entrenched in my worldview of of, the, of DC Comics that I can't imagine things having turned out differently at this point. If, if I read it again, I'm sure I could point out one or two. Oh, I wish that character hadn't died. I wish more of that parallel Earth could have survived into uh, the post-crisis reality. Things like that. So, yeah, I, I probably would have wanted the Monitor to survive. I've got one thing. I wish that Supergirl had not worn that 80s headband. <laughs> That's one thing well, I would have changed. You can't blame Crisis for that. I think <laughs> yeah, that. Hey, Adam, that dang, it's that dang Perez, isn't it? <laughs> Adam, how can, you possi- how can you not possibly be just sick and tired of talking about this crisis? Yeah. I mean, how can you not just, just hate talking about it? That's love for you. <laughs> you Good can't you. define love. Good for you. Fair enough. I, I guess it's it, I guess thesis, it, man. Yeah, I guess it it goes back to your love of aliens, Brad. Uh, uh, Bill's love for Dune, and and Legion of Superheroes. And Legion so of Superheroes. That. I guess I just part of me feels bad about asking you on the show, us, us asking you on the show to to talk about it again and completely outclass us. By the way, well, that was a <laughs> well, given. Yeah, we knew that, that was. was that's why I'm not hardly saying anything. <laughs> Well, but, well, but but we were going to take it a step further and go through major crises too. So. All right, as long as you're not doing this because you didn't want to hurt any feelings by saying no, nah, no thanks. If you're enjoying yourself, that's great. If not, I guess I, we'll I never roll get tired of talking about this particular subject. Excellent, awesome. Um, well, why don't we kind of move on to to zero hour then, which was uh, tagline a crisis in time. Right, and, and I'll read what I got from um again. This is from Wikipedia. Zero Hour Crisis in Time was intended by DC as a belated follow-up to Crisis on Infinite Earths. It promised to do for the inconsistent future timelines of the DCU what Crisis had done for its parallel worlds, unify them into one. So it was, Zero Hour was about future timelines? That's what I got here. Adam, can you add anything to that? Oh, yeah. Well, it was actually about all of D.C. history, past, present, and future. But it had the biggest impact on the future, uh, the, 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 the Legion of Superheroes 30th century in specific. So, it, I know. It, it was I'll basically, never get over that. 
Yeah, oh, yes. Well, actually, that was my jumping on point for the Legion. Really? For that matter, it was my jumping on point for DC Comics as a whole. Oh, wow. Okay. So, wh- yep. Again, so, what was the point of Zero Hour? I mean, why did somebody feel... It, I'm assuming Dan Jurgens felt it was necessary. Well, one thing is... Oh, well, he was, wasn't the only one. I was, think editorial was definitely in agreement with him on that. Did it have anything to do with the oh. fact that it was simply 10 years after? Oh, sure. It's I mean, another anniversary observance. Yeah. And after all, Infinite Crisis came along 20 years after the original Crisis, so yep. this is just the, the midway point. So, yeah, so, so yeah, Zero Hour right. Crisis in Time, I mean, the mere fact that it has the word crisis in the subtitle gives you an idea that it is on homage to the uh, granddaddy of them all, Crisis on Infinite Earth. So, maybe Frank said it, but what was the point of Zero Hour, and did the point happen, and if not, what came out of it? Well... Okay, well, first of all, on a, uh, it was used as an excuse to cr- provide a good jumping-on point for new readers. They, they, they decided they were going to, DC decided they were going to be a little more accommodating than they were after Crisis. And uh, they, they'd go all the way to help uh, welcome in new readers. And it worked in my case, obviously, because I hadn't really read a whole lot of DC prior to that. The only thing I had read was the Green Lantern Twilight storyline, in fact. Uh, but uh, this uh, this zero-hour event uh, provided me with a, a good opportunity to jump on and learn some things, because right after the zero-hour story was over, DC launched this wave of uh, zero issues for every title that they were currently publishing. Mm-hmm. And each of these zero issues provided some you know, background information and, uh, on the characters that were appearing in those titles, and in some cases launched new directions for those titles. Zero. And there are also a few new uh, comic series that spun out of Zero Hour, uh, most of which are well forgotten by now. Uh, there was uh, Fate, which is a new version of the Golden Age character Doctor Fate. Which I there actually was that. enjoyed that series. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I, I liked the I missed the helmet, but uh, I appreciated <laughs> Darren Stevens as a character in his own right. Yeah, Darren Stevens. He was also he was on Bewitched, yeah, right? He was the yeah. better. Yeah. No, that's Darren Stevens. Oh. Okay. oh. So, um, my favorite Zero Hour <laughs> issue was the Flash. Issue. Don't you have that bill? Where he met himself as a younger person. Oh, the Flash number zero? Yeah, I thought that was great. Okay. Don't have that one. I liked it a lot. That was my favorite I've got, zero uh, issue. I've got the zero hour zero. I've got uh, Legion and Legionnaires issue zero, and I've got the Rebels issue zero. Oh, yeah, that's another one that went out of there. Took over the uh, Legion, the uh, L-E-G-I-O-N yes. title of the now this that's also where uh, Starman, the Starman series, came from. That, uh, oh, yeah. the, the James Robinson version. Mm-hmm. Yep, the second most overrated comic series of all time. Really, I've, You've re- I've, I've but you haven't read it. it. I tried, couldn't but, get into it. Huh. Second more most overrated it. comic series of all time. I, I would love to read that someday, just to find out if You're, I agree yeah, with Brad. Uh, Brad, I've read more than half of it, and I it does start off slow, but it it. Get so apparently good. it wasn't that good because you only read half of it. Well, I, the only reason why I haven't read the other half is I'm waiting for the omnibuses to come out. Well, have the you other... could have gone to the library if it was that good. <laughs> you would have gone to the library and read the rest of it. Okay, well, <laughs> crisis okay, solved. Okay, so how you feel about <laughs> now? Though, okay, the one thing about okay, zero hours that creature. did. The, hey, I got to do something no. on this show, or I'm just going to sit here <laughs> That's saying a good nothing. Point. Well, you need to fire off more drops. Maybe that should be. I'm uh, trying your, not your to throw Adam off. Okay, well, I, I have think a feeling Adam, Adam can roll this. You know what? CGS doesn't do a lot of drops, but that's okay. Maybe you can have some fun with that's this. That's why I'm not trying to scare him. No, 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 no. no. We don't need to homogenize. It's the, the, let me go back to my whole point about not homogenizing ourselves. We we can have our own voice. 
You know? Yeah. See, that's exactly that's what I'm talking about right there. See, I'll bet my guess here, maybe we'll ask Adam here in five minutes or so after I'm done talking, <laughs> but my guess is that, is that Adam loves this stuff. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Ah, see, see, Brad, you're feeling better already. All right. <laughs> okay, the one thing about Zero Hour that, that, that did make me insane, um, you get to the end of the Zero Hour comic itself, and you get the new revised timeline. And I'm looking at this timeline going, and Why did that make you insane? Me, be, okay, um, okay, this is 1996 uh, again. Um, 94, I think. Okay, cool. Um, uh, fair enough. Um, but the, uh, the timeline, stuff like... Uh, um, Superman lands on Earth 25 years before Zero Hour. Superman uh, introduces himself to the world as Superman 10 years before, which is clearly crazy and bogus because we all know that he was around in you know World War II. But there's just there's just not in the post-crisis world. Well, dummy, that's what I'm saying. Bugs me. That's exactly what I'm saying. Get just, over it. Dummy? We had that's the whole point of crisis was to eliminate well, that crap. So well, you can understand the simplified timeline. I, I just don't think Zero Hour did a good job. I mean, five little tiny issues. I just it it seemed kind of scattershot to me. I just I think Zero Hour is is by far the silliest of the crisis events. Ridiculous. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Now I'm saying you are. Oh, that's different. No, I just I, I you know again I'm just I'm in that camp, and I guess maybe I'll just repeat myself like a, like a stinking parrot for the next uh, you know half hour, hour, three hours, whatever it takes. But, um, but yeah, I liked I, just, I liked zero hour. Really, I did. And That's in fact, if I had to pick one of the zero hour, one of the crises, okay, to read again, okay, it would be zero hour. I would not have guessed that because I think I mean again, don't want to get off track here. Um, I, I don't know that we're going to rank the crises, you know, at the end of the podcast. You, mean you or don't anything. have a top three list prepared, huh? You don't no, have I, a top I three do list have a, prepared. I do have a top three uh, list prepared. I'll write it down here between here and the end of the show. <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I think that zero hour was, was interesting, but I think part of it for me too, was, uh, being such a, a Legion head. I, I just kind of, you know, I think the, the, the run that, uh, pair McGraw and, and those cats had, uh, and, and, uh, Mark Wade, uh, also had on the Legion was, was very cool, but I just, I didn't really like the direction that it took. And I think that the Legion, kind of became it became a lot younger in tone i mean the the characters you know obviously became uh became younger because they were getting to be adults um by the end of uh, uh you had you know uh, tom and mary burnbaum uh, keith giffen you know they had taken over uh kind of for paul levitz and and you know the, the great runs you know of the late 70s into the 80s of the legion and so yeah they're becoming adults by the time zero hour spins around one of the things i think zero hour did do well was to recast the Legion as you know as as young you know teenage types again, because the adult Legion is awesome, and we saw you know what you can do with an adult Legion in um, in that action comics that great action comics run. Thank you, Jeff Johns, and uh, you know it'd be nice if we could see what they do to the adult Legion, Legion of Three Worlds, and maybe here by the year twenty eleven we'll see you know all five issues of it. <laughs> But yeah, the idea that that it became it became a lot more kind of cartoony. I think uh, Legion did after Zero Hour, and it wasn't until um, uh, Abnett and Lanning um, took over right at the very end of their runs. Uh, they uh, the ones that took them through Legion Lost and back into the the I think maybe my favorite title, except for the original, you know the the early two hundreds with Kerry Bates and Mike Grell and Dave Cockrum. Um, but uh, I think that Legion run um, in uh, 0102, I think still, 
you know my favorite uh, Legion iteration to this day. And I think what Wade, uh, what Wade and them did. I'm sorry, I know we're getting way off topic mm-hmm. here, but I think what Wade, uh, what Wade and Kitson did with the the reboot uh, 50 issues ago was choice too. Um, um, but uh, but yeah, I just I'd, I I didn't really appreciate the the kind of cartoonish uh, tone that it took. I mean, you could you really you'd really see you know. In fact, I was kind of surprised the the cartoon uh, series of the same name didn't almost base itself on that. When you're dealing with future events, mm-hmm. I mean, there's an infinite number of possibilities. And, see, and and that's that's kind of why I've always had a little problem with Legion. I mean, it's 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 interesting, but it's but it's infinite. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, at least. The way we understand, and, and I will always defend the Legion. But one thing I think, one thing I think people do do is uh, um, they you said don't do do. <laughs> I did, didn't I? The the Legion uh, continuity did become extremely convoluted at, at points, and so I understand why they've tried to you know kind of kind of you know streamline a little bit. Anyway, back um, to back to the subject. Adam, the 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 bad guy in this in in Zero Hour was, was Parallax, and to a lesser extent, um, Hawk. Which which Holes. was a result of that uh that snafu that happened in uh in uh, was it Armageddon two thousand one was Hawk. that's the one yeah. um, another one of those little crossover event things that DC tried in the ten years between Crisis and Zero Hour. Uh, are are you knowledgeable enough to talk about what what happened in two thousand and one to cut because there was oh, a snafu yeah. that happened? Who's Hawk? Well, I read my DC uh, universe and, and tried oh, okay. to figure it out, but yeah, Hawk slash well, Monarch. Slash extant yeah. slash wave rider yeah. slash you know on and on and on. It seemed like that you know yeah he he was a uh, uh, fairly dense there. Help um, help but, Adam help. Okay, all right. So uh, the, the the idea of Armageddon two thousand one. Um, it's set in this uh, totalitarian future world of two thousand one, which uh, the story was taking place in, like nineteen ninety ninety one something like that. I think it probably would have been ninety one. Um, uh, and in this future world, this mysterious armored tyrant named Monarch uh, rules with an iron fist. And apparently he used to be one of DC Comics' superhero characters. And uh, a, a time scientist who works uh, in the Monarch regime learns this about him. And uh, he, uh, tra- he's, he is transformed into this time-traveling being called Wave Rider. And he goes back in time to you know, the, what was the present, 1991, and uh, he goes around investigating all these different superhero characters, trying to figure out which one of them is uh, going to turn out to be Monarch in the future. And uh, so that was the that, that was the big crossover gimmick. Um, in each of the individual ongoing series annuals in that year, uh, Wave Rider would guest star, and he would uh, one of his powers was to be able to read the possible futures for any character that he touches. So we went around all these different uh, comics and touched the main character, and uh, the rest of the issue is uh, him experiencing a vision of a possible future for that character, so that he can try and figure out if that character is going to turn out to be mon- uh, Monarch. Would that be good touch or bad touch, though? <laughs> yeah. He didn't touch anyone in a place where the bathing suit covers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, just the shoulder or the hand is good enough. Uh, so yeah, originally the plan mess up his hair or something. <laughs> what? Mess up his hair or something? You scruff their head up. Hey, Superman, you little nut. How job. about a you like, Come over here, you little crazy <laughs> nutty guy. Okay, he's all right. Anyway, Adam. Okay, so the original plan was for Captain Adam to turn out to be Monarch, but apparently that got leaked to the public. You know this. 
word got out, and so DC was like, oh, geez, this gives away the big surprise ending for this series. we got to <laughs> come up with something different. So they instead went with Hawk of uh, Hawk and Dove. You know, a long time uh, DC Comics concept began in the Silver Age, and uh, at the time there was an ongoing Hawk and Dove series going on. It seems like a stretch. I mean, Hawk, what, what were his powers? How does he morph uh, Well, into... uh, he and his partner Dove uh, channeled the powers of the Lords of Chaos and Order. Uh, they had, like, superhuman strength and endurance. And, uh, okay. Hawk was this big arch-conservative guy, and uh, his uh, his partner, Dove, was uh, this uh, peacenik. Yeah. And uh, so he, he derived strength from chaos. Yeah, and, we we uh, saw them in Justice League Unlimited. I don't remember them, you know, going that deep into their history, though. <laughs> um, but what, was this an opportunity maybe for DC to kind of validate Hawk? In a sense, well, what zero hour? I mean, yeah, zero hour. Yeah, it almost sounds like they're pulling something out of their rears. Frankly, no pun intended. Well, they had this character that uh, was a hero who became a villain, and uh, they had used him as Monarch in a couple of. Uh, there were a couple of sequels to Armageddon two thousand one. There was Armageddon: uh, The Alien Agenda, which was Captain Adam versus Monarch, uh, which you know, if. if there was a certain extra-textual irony there that it's, uh, Captain Adam was supposed to be Monarch, and here he is fighting Monarch in this series, and uh, it was the two of them fighting each other across time. And this is, so they had this Monarch character out there, and I guess they figured, why not just tie him into Zero Hour? I mean, the, the, the big, big bad of Zero Hour was going to be Parallax, a.k.a. Hal Jordan, another hero turned bad. So I guess they thought it made a certain amount of sense. Plus, of course, uh, there was a time travel element to the Monarch character already, so makes sense to include him as the villain in a time-centric series like Zero Hour. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess you could say that it was a way of their uh, uh, validating their own uh, last-minute uh, change of plans with Armageddon 2001. Now, forgive it, me for asking, but was um, uh, was Parallax, uh, was he introduced as a character before Zero Hour, or was that kind of the reveal of Zero Hour? Um, well... The Emerald Twilight uh, crossover, uh, not crossover, mm-hmm. uh, the mini story arc, no three-part story, uh, Green Lantern number forty-eight to fifty. Uh, yeah, that definitely happened prior to Zero Hour. Uh, I think you know, you saw Hal Jordan at the end of that series. He had uh, stepped into the main Green Lantern power battery on Oa. He had sucked all of its power into himself, and you saw him standing there in the parallax armor. He had become okay. parallax, and then he went away. And I, I think that is the last time you saw him prior to Zero Hour. Now, Emerald he Twilight... might have made one... I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, Emerald Twilight was where he recreated Coast City, is that correct? I'm, I'm, trying, uh, I'm trying to yeah, dredge well, stuff he, up out of my head. Yeah, he tried to. He used his ring to create this Emerald Energy duplicate of the city. Yeah, but it turned out to be, like, all green, and uh, wasn't really it, was it? Yeah, and okay. then the Guardians found out what he was doing, and they came in and stopped him, and at that point he flew off the handle and... Uh, did what he did. Well, we'll end it with that for right now, and we'll come back next week for the second part of our Crisis series, again with Adam Murdo, and that time we'll talk about Identity Crisis, Infinite Crisis, and Final Crisis. Oh, he doesn't sit there for like a whole week waiting on us. <laughs> and until then, <laughs> hope may he doesn't the mind. Schwartz be with you. <laughs> Check you, out Oceanverse you, at oceanverse.com. Remember, it just came out. And happy birthday again, Bill. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate why that. in the world would you not have told us it was your birthday coming up? You know, it wasn't malicious in any way. It was just me, my general laziness. Lazy. It wasn't well, personal. I, you know. You, you cost yourself a gift. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> That's all I can say. 
I know, and I was I was counting on that uh, that new Timex uh, Ironman triathlon too. So <laughs> screw me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, your fault. And don't forget to check out the Legion of Dudes every Thursday at uh, halfhourwasted dot com or hhwlod.com. Yeah, our new website's up and running. It's all good. And uh, and uh, drop us a line at halfhourwasted. If you're gonna say com. if you're gonna say halfhourwasted dot com, you might as well say Legion of Dudes dot com. Yeah, because both of those point to hhwlod dot com. Yeah. Yes. And so hopefully uh, people have enjoyed the new website. Yes. I, I, one of these days, now that my mind is starting to clear up a little bit, I've been so addled the last few weeks, mm-hmm. I've thought to myself, I want to put up something on the blog, but I have no idea what to do. You thought about what your blog name is going to be called? Um, I've my, my first thought was Voicebox, but I think Ooh, that's, that's nice. that, that, that's may be, uh, that may be bad. No. So no, I'm going to keep thinking. That's where you got to go. Voice All right. Box. Well, we'll, we'll take votes. That's cool. Call yeah. in, everybody. You've got about uh, 30 more seconds. Vox <laughs> Box? Let me, let me know what you think. Not bad. Uh, oh, well. I, haven't, I haven't figured out what my blog will be. Of course, my blog entries will be like two sentences. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one thing. Uh, it doesn't have to be a rambling epic of a blog. And I would like to point out that Russell is um, still tweaking things here and there, taking uh, suggestions from all of us. You know, and, and, he, and he's the code monkey, too. I wish yeah, I had super. half the brain cells of Russell Latham. That's what I wish. <laughs> Just half. You'd be pretty smart. I mean, I don't want his half because that way he wouldn't be smart enough to do it himself. <laughs> right. You, know, you see where I'm going with that. Right. All right. All right, guys. Until that, we'll see you next week on A Half Hour Wasted. Thank you, Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit.